Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Big 5D podcast. I'm Charles Laughlin, your host and content director for Big 5 Digital. So today we have a really, really special guest. It's Moshalewa Adeyemi, who is head of global partnerships for Flutterwave. So many of you are, I'm sure, familiar with Flutterwave, and it's been very big in the news lately. They raised $170 million from a variety of investors, um, and they've reached what is widely known as unicorn status with a plus billion dollar valuation. So that's a company very much on the rise and is doing very important work to uh, enable cross-border payments across the continent. Uh, so, um, and they also recently had a deal, an integration deal with PayPal, which is really uh, unlocking the ability to, for uh, merchants and freelancers and others to get paid using PayPal. It's, it's been a very difficult challenge in Africa for, for PayPal to, uh, for, to get paid with PayPal. You, you can, it's one thing to send money uh, through PayPal in Africa. It's another thing to receive payment from outside of Africa uh, using PayPal. So this deal is going to unlock a lot of value for small merchants, uh, e-commerce merchants and so on, and solopreneurs, um, freelance developers and so on, people who uh, want to collect money from uh, international customers. And it's been a challenge uh, until this deal. So that's a really big deal. So uh, Flutterway has really been in the middle of it. So O, as she's known, um, to her colleagues and friends, uh, spoke to us about kind of what it's like at Flutterwave these days, what the environment is, what the atmosphere is, um, as, as a place to work. We talked about the fundraise and what it means to the business, what the company's ambitions are, and we talked a bit about the PayPal deal and what it really means for the payments ecosystem in Africa. So we're really excited to have her on the show today, and we hope you enjoy this interview. Quick note. Uh, the podcast will be uh, rolling out roughly weekly, if not more uh, episodes, at least in the near term, because we're running a series of uh, interviews from our recent Big Five fin- Small Business FinTech Summit. And we're also uh, working on plans for our next summit, which will have announcements soon, either late Q2 or early uh, Q3. We're going to be having another half-day virtual event around e-commerce and small business on the continent in the Middle East. So stay tuned for more information on that. Um, but I'm sure you'll want to attend, uh, participate, or spo- and or sponsor that event. If you have, want, have any questions about anything, you can always just shoot us a note at info at big5digital.org. Please follow us on LinkedIn, and that's a great place to reach out to us as well. So anyway, uh, housekeeping notes aside, we hope you enjoy the interview. Thanks. Oh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Charles. Great. So you're global head of partnerships for Flutterwave, which is a company that's uh, been in the news quite a bit lately. You recently raised a substantial amount of money. You're now one of uh, Africa's unicorn, tech unicorns, right? Um, yes. Does that feel any different at your company now that you have that unicorn status? I mean, how, how do you guys feel about that? Um, a lot of us are very excited. Uh, I think for me personally, uh, I joined Flutterwave almost four years ago. Um, straight out of my MBA program. And at the time, you know, I had a lot of friends and classmates ask me if I'd lost my mind for (laughs) deciding to work for a company at the time who only had operations in Nigeria and was practically unknown to fast forward to today where um, we've been able to make Unicorn Stardust raise three series of uh, funding rounds 
close partnerships with some pretty significant names um, in the in the payments industry. So it's very exciting to see the list. It's even more so gratifying to just see that all the hard work that we've put in over the last few years um, is panning out. And I'm really excited for our future and the impacts that we can continue to have on the digital payments ecosystem, particularly in Africa, but in other parts of the world. Okay, so we're going to get into all that because that's kind of your wheelhouse is partnerships yes. and expansion. Um, before, so when you joined, kind of describe what the state of Flutterway was when you joined. You said it was just operating in Nigeria. You know, how many oh markets was it handling payments in? How many people were there? Just give us a quick picture of it. Yes. So when I first joined, um, it was primarily operating in Nigeria. We had a San Francisco office, but I was uh, hire number one. Um, out of that San Francisco office. Okay. Um, I did go to the Nigeria office for about a month um, just to get to know the team, have a firsthand experience of the prob problem that we're trying to solve. And at that time we had, uh, <laughs> our office was a house um, okay. somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in Lagos that we'd kind of turned into an office space there where I want to say about 40s, maybe 50 people um, at the company at the time, but again, focusing primarily on um, providing payment services in Nigeria. Okay. And you mentioned the San Francisco office. Was that, that was open shortly, not too long after the launch of the businesses, or uh, give me the, and also what was the reason for that? Was that, my supposition has always been, and I could be wrong about this, is that it was to be close to investors. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, to be close to investors as well as uh, our global clients. Right. So today we are quite fortunate enough to have some big names in the wheelhouse of uh, companies that we process payments for. I think Uber is perhaps the, the client that we um, announced the most. And for those types of clients that we have on our books today or that we hope to have on our books, it's really crucial that we have a space um, where it's easy for us to reach them, right? Mm -hmm. um, yes, we're providing payment services for them in Nigeria, um, in South Africa, in Kenya, but a lot of times their, their head offices are in Silicon Valley. So it was important for us to also build a base where we could easily reach our clients, they could easily reach us, uh, same for our investors as well. What's interesting, you know, with COVID now and so much more remote, how is it, important, is it still important to have that? Now that you're going to close down San Francisco. Yeah. yeah but is, does it matter as much now that the, the whole old investor rule is I won't invest in anyone I can't, you know, reach in 20 Go minutes? Go visit. Yeah. Yeah. And um, my understanding is that that rule kind of has gone out the window. It kind of has gone out the window. COVID has uh, disrupted a lot of things. And I think um, the mindset of needing to be in a physical space or needing to physically meet with people is perhaps one of the uh, most significant uh, changes that we've seen from COVID on the business side. Yeah. So I, I think most people have kind of figured out a way to, to make these things happen in a virtual world. And it's been pretty interesting to watch. I, I think it's a good thing for us to figure out how, how to um, continue working and continue innovating um, in a virtual world. That said, I very much look forward to the world going back to normal and being able to sit in an office again with colleagues or um, being able to travel 
to visit a partner that's that's based in in Nairobi or in Joburg. Mm-hmm. That's the part of my job that I really miss. Yeah, no, I hear you there. I mean, I, I handle events worldwide, and uh, I certainly miss the part. The most, the, the payoff, the fun part was actually the travel and travel. <laughs> and uh, some of it was a, a chore, but a lot of it was fun. And uh, yeah, we can get rid of the, the the tedious parts and bring back the fun parts, uh, <laughs> which, I, which I think will more or less be what it is. You'll have fewer trips, but it'll be better trips. That's yeah, my sense of it anyway. So anyway, let's get into it um, with your role. Um, yes. So just a level set where how many uh, markets is uh, Flutterwave operating in now? Uh, in Africa, 15. 15. OK. And um, now kind of walk. I know this may be a big question, but kind of walk us through <laughs> the kind of um, puzzle work you have to create in order to operate in 50 markets. Yeah, not everyone maybe has a sense of, of how complicated complex that is. Yeah. Um, so I think let's go to the genesis of the problem and um, what Flutterwave exists to solve, right? So Africa is a very interesting market when it comes to, to payments. Um, unlike what we have here in the U.S., where if you and I want to make a purchase, whether online or in person, we're very likely <laughs> to swipe a card or enter our card details online, complete a transaction, um, Africa is pretty unique in the sense that it's it's not a cards-heavy market. I mean, we have a few pockets there, like Nigeria and South Africa, where card adoption is really high. But for the most part, we have a lot of alternate payment methods on the African continent. So sometimes these are mobile wallets, and sometimes they're QR-based payments, sometimes they're USSD-based payments. And the really interesting thing about all of this is that most of these payment types are not interoperable. So across the 50 plus countries that we have on the continent, we have over 40 currencies, right? And over 300 payment types that generally don't speak to each other. So as a business or as a consumer operating in one country, it's really difficult for you to extend your business um, or acquire customers in another country, because that typically means that you have to integrate multiple payment partners. One of the things that's always um, intrigued me is you talk to a, an American business owner about payments and they'll tell you, oh yeah, I use PayPal, I use Stripe, right? But you talk to an African business owner and they will school you on payments, right? They will tell you how the payments ecosystem works and I think that goes to, to, to display the extent of the problem, right? It's such a big issue that business owners and entrepreneurs have had to educate themselves so much on the payment space just to be able to figure out how best to operate. So Especially what, if they're cross-border, right? I mean, if they do any cross-border, if, if they're operating across uh, national boundaries. Even within the same country. So you could have a country that has, so let's say of all the digital payments in the country, uh, maybe 10% of those payments are run through cards. The remaining 90% go through mobile wallets, but then you have four different mobile wallet operators. Right. So you have a business in that one country, but now you likely have to work with a, with a bank who can acquire your card transactions. You have to work um, with each of <laughs> on every one of those four mobile network operators just to make sure that you can receive payments um, from from their subscribers. Now, 
compound that by wanting to expand your business to three other countries on the continent who right. have similar payment infrastructures. Now you find you find yourself um, <laughs> contracting with with payment issuers, maybe about fifteen of them to cover <laughs> five countries. Integrating into each of their networks, it becomes a really cumbersome, a really expensive, and operationally challenging thing to do. Um, so the problem that we're trying to solve is building that one ecosystem, that one platform that connects to all these payment types so that I can provide payment services regardless of the channel via one integration to that same business who would have historically had to work with 15 payment partners. Okay. So walk us through, at least in the simplified way, how how you solve. I mean, you, it's a lot of partnerships, but what, what are the, the technical and, and business and operational challenges to affecting that so that this is, becomes as simple as you described? Yeah. So uh, one of the things we like to say at Flutterwave is payments is partnership, right? It's complicated. It's very difficult to try to do it all on your own. That's why our partner network is very important to us and something that we've invested in um, over the last few years since we've been in operations. As far as like being able to simplify payments for endless possibilities, which is our, our mission statement, right? Mm -hmm. It involves a lot of collaboration, um, not only with payment partners, but also with uh, financial regulators across markets. So every time we want to introduce uh, payments from a new market onto our infrastructure, um, we first uh, have to work with regulators to get an understanding of what it takes to become a payment service provider in um, that country. A lot of times it requires you having local operations. Um, it requires to some extent either partnering with uh, financial institutions or seeking approval directly from the financial regulator. Once we have those um, items in place, then we can begin our partnerships discussion. So I want to work with bank ABC in order to be able to acquire cards from this country. Now in activating those partnerships, we have to do a lot of uh, cross-functional coordination between our functional teams and the partner's functional teams. So how do we think about funds flow? When someone completes a purchase online, what happens um, to, to the funds that are collected from that customer? And what is the journey from the customer's wallet into the business's wallet, right? Um, so there's coordination with um, operations, with treasury, anytime there are cross-border transactions with compliance, um, with finance to make sure that we're like meeting all the financial uh, reporting and tax reporting guidelines. So it sounds very easy when we say we're making, <laughs> we're simplifying payments for endless possibilities, <laughs> but it's yeah. actually a lot of um, work in the background that goes into making that a reality. Okay. So yeah, that's a, you, you're very, you mentioned regulation. Um, I wonder if Flutterwave has a point of view or maybe you've done some, some thought leadership on this around what it would take to make the regulatory flows easier across the continent. I mean, have you- Yeah, so I think regulatory is a hot topic, not only in Africa, but in, in other parts of the world. Um, I think the first thing that 
we as fintechs uh, or people who are uh, interested in or excited by fintech companies have to understand is regulators are here to protect uh, their citizens. Sure. So with that, um, just, I guess, background in mind, our approach to regulators and regulations is really to work as closely with them as possible to try to identify the inefficiencies in the financial space and speak to them, educate them about how the solutions we're building can contribute to solving some of those inefficiencies. I think a lot of times you see, um, a lot of people often like uh, are bothered by, by regulations because it can be seen in some instances to, to stifle innovation. But I think that the important thing is to engage, engage, engage. I don't think there's any financial regulator out there who is against making um, financial services more available to their constituents or making it easier to access digital financial services. Um, I think the, the, the key thing here is to communicate, um, educate, come together as a public sector entity and a private entity to build solutions that can really advance um, financial inclusion across markets. Because the more people you have in a financial, uh, participating in a, in a financial ecosystem, the better it is for a country. You see, you start to see increases in GDP, you start to see increases in, in um, standard of living, you start to see more people invest in businesses, you start to see people have the ability to actually scale their businesses um, beyond their current means. So for us, we consider regulators um, very much our friends. We are always willing to engage. We like to engage them <laughs> before we even begin operating in their, in their respective countries, just so we can get a sense of their thoughts around their digital payments um, services and how we can operate within the boundaries um, that they've, they've put in place. Okay, uh, that's that's all fair. Now you just talked about sort of the um, the second order effects of, of financial inclusion, and it really just it it's, uh, just makes everything bloom, right? So yeah. um, we actually had an event last uh, last week uh, about small business fintech, and it was you know financial inclusion was a strong theme, and you know the sort of the stating the obvious is small business is the main source of employment in the on the continent. Absolutely, uh, and employment growth is tied almost inextricably to small business success. Absolutely. So, uh, so, <laughs> so your success really is almost directly- It's the success of the rest of the country, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's really our, our thought. Uh, so a lot of the, the small businesses in Africa um, don't really, so first things first, chances are they operate a, a physical business model. So you have to go to them to, to purchase their goods or, or services. And when COVID hit, um, a lot of small businesses on the continent took a big hit, so much so that some of them um, eventually went out of business. But around April of last year, we came together as a company um, and thought of ways that we could make it easier for small businesses to thrive um, in the African economy. And that's uh, what led to us building. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with our products. We have a product that's geared towards 
businesses and we have a second one that's geared towards consumers. Uh, so we decided to build a e-commerce extension into our business facing product that essentially allows a small business to digitize their business in, in under five minutes. So our thought process was really around trying to understand and build a construct for some of the factors that prevent African businesses from being online. One is like access to infrastructure or access to like the technology talents that they need to be online, access to digital payments, <laughs> access to a delivery network. And we put all of those things together and came up with uh, an extension on our merchant products called Flutterwave Stores. And really what it is, is it allows a small business to go online, um, set up a store, add their product onto that store, get a personalized URL that essentially becomes their website that they can direct their customers um, to, to make orders. In the back end, we provide them with inventory management um, software. We provide them with payments already built into their stores. And we're partnering with uh, some of our, our logistics uh, partners to provide last mile delivery where those businesses are, are selling um, physical products. Um, since we launched, we launched that almost a year ago now. Oh, wow. Uh, towards yeah. the end of April 2020. Um, yeah, we've, we've seen more than 30,000 businesses come online. Mm -hmm. And ever so often we get testimonials from, from businesses about how they've been able to sustain um, and, and keep, we say hashtag, keep their lights on um, because of that product. So it's something that we're, we're really proud of and we're really looking forward to being able to contribute more to, to build in more small, medium enterprises across uh, the continent. So, so I'd like to talk about that a little bit more because this whole, I'm interested, in, I, I kind of cover small business tech worldwide um, yeah. for a number of different hats that I wear. And, uh, I'm always interested in this question that I don't think will be answered right away. Um, it's a valid question, whether you're in North America or Africa, which is that all these businesses that, you know, on a dime had to suddenly become e-commerce stores or online businesses that were just selling things over a counter before, yeah. wherever you are. How success, just candidly, how successful in aggregate has that been in transform? Because there's, it's just, it's, it's, it's an, a Herculean task that you did, giving them the tools to do this overnight, virtually overnight. Yeah. Um, but how well did they adapt and how, I guess, how, how much did this sort of move small business forward on mass to higher levels of technology adoption will be that will be sustained over time? Um, or was this just for a lot of them, it was just it got them through the day and then they go back to being that storefront business. I, I'm curious about that and how, how, think, how permanent the transformation is. Yeah, I think uh, for a lot of those businesses, e-commerce is here to stay. Um, I think that when all things COVID die down, um, instead of going back to just being a storefront, they most likely will return to being a hybrid uh, business. So combination of storefront and, and uh, e-commerce solution. Um, I think what's key or what we've seen in Africa, we've seen a lot of success with, with the launch of uh, Flutterwave stores. And what we've seen is it didn't only help businesses go online. 
right? It removed a lot of the friction that came with them operating a small business. So if you take someone who maybe sells hand handmade bracelets, right? right. Before this person uh, set up their store with us, they probably sold their goods on, on WhatsApp right. or on Instagram. They had a lot of posting pictures, then people messaging them, how much is this? Right. It's this much. Oh, sorry, this is no longer available. So <laughs> you extend the sales cycle with a lot of back and forth. Right. Whereas with this solution, if I'm interested in this bracelet, I can see if it's available right now, or if you're out of stock, if it's available and I want it, I can make and complete the purchase immediately. The other value add is we actually do aggregate all the products and services um, that these small businesses have listed on their stores onto a larger platform, which we refer to as marketplace. So uh, a consumer can actually go onto marketplace and say they're looking to purchase uh, beauty products. We then show them the whole roster of businesses that we have that sell beauty products in their country, right? And they have the flexibility of picking this uh, business over that business. What that does for the business is it gives them even more visibility. So both the, the Flutterwave stores extension as well as the marketplace are uh, search engine optimized. So now a lot of these business have gone from having their top customers on their WhatsApp to having visibility to anybody who just goes online and searches for a product that they sell. Mm -hmm. So I think that's part of the value add um, in streamlining the operation, but also giving them more, more visibility. I say all of that to say, uh, I don't think that a lot of businesses will just simply revert to being a storefront, right. given some of the benefits that they've been able to reap from solutions like Flutterwave stores and, and Marketplace. Okay, well, if you describe it that way when they're actually getting, um, if they were actually sort of, were operating online with the, the Instagram and the WhatsApp, which yeah. I know are, had the limitations you described, yeah. Um, to having the inventory managed and the payments managed through that platform. I, I mean, that's it's hard for them not to to, to carry that. To take forward. advantage of that. And okay. we offer the platform for free. So, oh, okay. yeah. Do you monetize any part of that value chain or will you in the future? I mean, how do you look at that opportunity? Uh, for now, we monetize via uh, our typical um, model, which is transaction fees for um, any payments processed. Okay, so all the infrastructure is free that you put around. The infrastructure is free, yeah. Okay. So you say you bought 30,000 customers online through this process? Yes. Across all your markets or were they concentrated in a few places? Uh, across our markets, but the largest concentration is in Nigeria. Nigeria tends to, to have the biggest market share for, for most things. Yeah, it's a big place. Yeah. Big yeah. Uh, largest population in Africa, right? But uh, economically is, South, I, I should know this, South Africa is still the biggest GDP or who has the biggest GDP? I believe South Africa still has the biggest GDP. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll cut that out because I should know that. <laughs> <laughs> I should know that too, but I, I think you're right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So moving on, let's go back to sort of the, the partnership. And so what... What is like next in terms of the kinds of relationships you have to build to take your business to the next level that you want to take it to? So who are you not working with that you're starting to build those relationships with? Yeah, so for me, from, an, uh, from a partnerships perspective, um, 
partnerships are really important to how we've been able to scale as a company, right? Um, I think first and foremost, our priority is to solve um, payments in Africa, right? Mm -hmm. But of course, we also want to partner with non-African financial institutions so that we can do two things. One is open up Africa as a market to people outside of Africa. So a lot of times um, businesses that are domiciled in Africa uh, have clients outside of Africa and they're not able to transact with those clients. I think one uh, group of people who this has been a significant challenge for are software developers. So you have a a lot of people in Nigeria who are really interested in, in software development or even outside Nigeria. They are, in a lot of instances, either self-taught or they've taken some sort of training somewhere. They're really high quality software developers. Companies outside the continent want to hire them, but then you get stuck on the issue of payment. If I take on a project and I build this app for you or I build this solution for you or I build this website for you, how do you pay me, right? Um, So being able to solve those types of problems by partnering with financial institutions, whether they're US-based, whether they're Asia-based or LATAM-based is um, also of significant priority to us. And that's where uh, partnerships like the one we just put in place with PayPal, the one we have with Alipay come come into play. Um, So that's something that we're going to continue to focus on as we think about payments beyond Africa. Okay, could you talk a little bit more about just for those who are familiar with the news about what the what you're doing is basically you're enabling PayPal to to uh, pay distribute funds instead of simply just accept just describe the deal and what it means and yeah so we're we're enabling African businesses mm-hmm. to accept PayPal as a payment method right yeah that so if I have a let's say there's a business in in Mauritius for example. Um, that sells a product or a service, they can now accept PayPal as a payment method, which means it's easier for me as someone who's based in the US to transact with that with that business. Where in the past, my US issued card might have been rejected on their platform, I can easily opt to pay that business um, with my PayPal account. So that's really what, what um, that partnership is about. Okay. How impactful? I, I I don't know how if you can quantify this, but how impactful will this partnership be? I mean, PayPal is a giant, you know, payments platform globally, and I know this has been a friction point in, in Africa that you're smoothing over it. Yeah. Um, how much value is that unlocking? Do you have a, any sense of that? I think a, a significant amount of value. So since the announcement, we have gotten so much feedback um, from a, a, a specific community, from a lot of software developers mm-hmm. um, because, <laughs> because of the challenge I just talked about. Yeah. So for them, this is a big, um, big change in uh, how they're able to, to monetize their skill, right? Also, if you look at it from the, from the business perspective, I'm an African business. I rarely ever get 
um, customers trying to make payments to me from outside Africa because I just don't have the means to transact with these people. Now, all of a sudden, the I believe, what, 377 million PayPal users are now within my reach. That's not to say all of them are going to transact with me as a business, but they're now within my reach. The, the focus now has to be on how do I make my business visible to people outside Africa because now the payments friction has been taken out of the equation. Okay, so it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big deal. <laughs> okay, so let's talk. So what else is um, geographically, um, I know you're talking about like partnering with more international financial platforms yes. to achieve the things that you just described and others, but in terms of Flutterwave's, um, I mean, do you, do you want to be seen as a global company at some point? I, mean, I guess in some ways you are. Um, yes. So talk about what, how you think about geography, I guess. Ask it that yeah, way. so I think Africa will always uh, be our primary focus. Um, so far, we've, over the last uh, four or five years, we've focused on building a presence across sub-Saharan African countries. Um, and so this year, and also with the help of the new round, we're really looking to establish a presence in North Africa, because that's uh, one area that we haven't covered over the last few years. Beyond that, um, we understand that, we, we truly believe that Africa is the next frontier, right? Um, and in order to ready ourselves uh, for Africa being the next frontier, we know that we have to enable Africa to transact with the rest of the world and enable the rest of the world to transact with Africa. And that's why, even though we consider ourselves an African company, when it comes to building a payment infrastructure, we're focused on building a global payment infrastructure because we really want to unlock the value of trade cross-border and cross-continent. Okay, all right, that makes sense. So in the time we have left, I kind of like to um, come back to a little bit about helping people understand Flutterwave as a company a little bit better. Um, this is a, I getting into some soft questions here, but how would you describe the culture? Um, I think that, so I was on a call earlier today and one of my colleagues was giving an overview of the company and they said we're up to almost 300 people now. And I could not wrap my head around that okay. <laughs> one i think because i joined when we were around 40 people right. but two because it does not feel like a company of 300 people i mean granted i don't know everyone right but it doesn't feel like i don't know the company if you called any of my colleagues right now and you said what is Flutterwave's mission? Not even the mission statement. Like, what is Flutterwave trying to accomplish? That is so crystal clear to everybody. We all unequivocally <laughs> will tell you the same thing, maybe in different words, but we'll sure. tell you, listen, the digital <laughs> payments infrastructure in Africa is broken. We're trying to fix it, in summary. Okay. And I think that we've been able to build a culture of, I don't know what the English word, it's just, it's clarity really. Like we're really clear, we're really focused in what we're trying to achieve. 
And it's very important for us to continue to stay innovative in the way that we approach those problems. So if I had to describe our culture in a few words, I would say it's a culture of clarity. It's a culture of preciseness. It is a culture of respectful communication. It is a culture of being innovative. It is a culture of always putting our customers first, thinking about the problems that they have in the payment space and coming together to really solve those problems. Okay. And I can I, record unequivocally separately if you need me to record it so, so that you can edit that. <laughs> There's certain words I trip over. It's the one that always gets me. Um, okay, so, so actually I did want to go back to one sort of less soft question, which is um, what could go wrong or ask a different way? What are the things that stand in your way of being successful, whether they're competitors, technological change, um, infrastructure, whatever, I, I won't, I'll let you name them. But what do you guys think about as, okay, these are the things that could really upset the apple cart for us and on our plan? What do you think? about? Yeah. That? So I think uh, the biggest thing is, first things first, technology, I'm really confident about. We have really good, we have a really good technology, technology stack. Our infrastructure is top of the line. But like any financial institution or any fintech, um, I think that the biggest thing that could probably take you down is something to do with regulation. Right, um, especially as we consider moving um, and setting up operations across the globe, uh, it's important, extremely important, that um, we pay very close attention to the regulatory landscape and how regulation is changing, and that we continue to remain adaptive in our launching of financial services across markets because regulations are, are a big thing. You could make a mishap um, that, that could cause, I mean, we've, we've seen FinTechs had to shut down operations because of a regulatory mishap um, here or there. And that's something that is really important for us to keep a close eye on to ensure um, that we don't find ourselves in that situation. Okay, that's fair. And one couple more quick things I just wanna make sure I touch on. Um, hearing a lot more and more about, um, you know, de decentralized finance and sort of how, you know, that might um, impact the banking system and the financial system. Does, does Floodwave think about that as, as they, you think about your roadmap and your product planning and maybe the regulatory angle as well? Is that an issue that kind of gets discussed a lot in meetings at Floodwave? Um, I wouldn't say discussed a lot in meetings. Uh, definitely, it's in in our roadmap and in our view. Um, but in a lot of the markets that we operate in, there's really no clear stance on it just yet. So we pay attention to it, but it's not something that um, impacts our day-to-day -day just yet. Um, even though there's no regulation one way or the other um, just yet, we tend to, <laughs> to you know, not participate for now. Um, just so if something does come up down the line, we can be in a, a good position to figure out how best to, to interact with it. All right, that's fair. Okay, I think I've taken up 
roughly half an hour of your time. So uh, I guess we'll end it here. Really appreciate it. It was an enjoyable conversation and we really uh, are grateful to have a company of your stature on the show. So thank uh, you so much for having us. It was a pleasure. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Have a good evening.